Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. This week's show, delighted to be joined by Alan Goldblatt, the Vice President Treasurer at Farmer Mac. Now, Farmer Mac, for those of you who don't know, is the Federal Agricultural Mortgage Corporation, commonly known as Farmer Mac, stockholder-owned, government-sponsored enterprise, or GSE, as it's known in the US, created by Congress to improve the availability of credit for and long-term credit for America's farmers, ranchers, homeowners, businesses, and communities. Now, we're really going to get into that a little bit later in the show, but again, we're on a time limit today, so I want to get the most out of Alan and get him doing all the talking, as always. Um, Alan, if you would take us back to well, the beginning of your career, uh, I know we've got some interesting moves through, you know, more recently government and everything else, but before that, you originally qualified, you did your degree, and then talk us through from those days, and then we'll walk through and get more information as come up today. Over to you, sir. Well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate being on your show. My background starts with, I was a chemical engineer and worked in the oil industry and quickly realized that you know what I was really interested in was the economics of running an oil refinery versus you know the, the actual engineering aspects. And so I went to business school, the Darden School at UVA, and it was there where it opened my eyes to you know, what the world of finance was really all about. It's, I felt there was something I was missing along the way in my uh, prior career studies. So with my MBA, I went to work for Mobile Oil and started out in the, in the oil commodity side with transport and operations. And all that was great till I realized I really had a passion for, once again, going deeper into now finance and what I ended up doing was going from you know, being involved with uh, understanding the whole trading of crude oil to joining the Treasury Department over at, at Mobile. And, and that's where I really got exposed to the capital markets, uh, swaps, derivatives, and all new things that were, were happening. Alan, why was that so interesting to you? I mean, I know that we'll touch on that as we go through the show, but why is that a passion? Is that just that you just love, you know, all the all things financial risk, or what? What's what does it for you? Yeah, it was a combination of being in touch with the markets and understanding how the markets and the economy around the world, because of course, Mo Global, and it it really uh, opened my eyes to you know all those economic indicators that come out uh, all the time were were truly truly fascinating. And actually had relevance to the things we were doing, you know, at, at mobile with managing our risk. And it was, you know, the, the this is where actually my my background in engineering came into handy as well, because I was also able to, you know, truly understand not only the hedging, but the, you know, stochastic equations behind the, I would call Black-Scholes types of uh, calculations that that go on with respect to, to financial derivatives. And we were, we were definitely very, very, very involved with, you know, understanding, you know, that whole aspect. So I, I would say it was, it was interesting because it was a combination of a number of items within my career that, that all came together when I was at mobile. 
And again, interesting working within that kind of industry versus some of the other things that you've done. You're obviously big numbers, you know, and I've spoken to a number of people at the, you know, similar like the shells and everything else. But did you feel that you were making a real difference or how did you know it come about that you thought, right, it's time to make the next move? Or how did it come about from there? Well, for me, it was, you know, more more of that, you know, upon the merger with uh, Exxon and Mobile, you know, I figured it was time for me to figure out what the next step in my treasury career would be. And I realized that there was a gap um, where I truly understood the markets, but, you know, there was areas that I wasn't involved in, such as cash management, M&A in particular, as well as, you know, areas regarding the different type of industry altogether. All so I, from there, I, I went to a company called American Management Systems and was an IT consulting company. Eventually, I worked my way to become the treasurer of that company. And I was so into the M&A world, it was you know, truly fascinating to me because, and that's also where I, I really got involved. And this is another area that I was not involved in prior to you know, financial reporting and how much that matters, uh, you know, with respect to not only financials but also you know the treasury and working with rating agencies, et cetera. So once again, that was an area that opened up my you know career path and expanded my toolkit of things I was involved in. But I then realized that there's one aspect of my career that you know was kind of lacking in that my prior two jobs in in the world of finance, I was not at a finance company. And you know, one of the things that happened with American Management Systems or AMS worked very hard to sell the company. And at that point, I moved over to Fannie Mae. I was there during a, a very interesting time with uh, changes in management, changes in you know the way risk managed. Everything was risk managed, as as well as eventually the government you know, taking over control of that company. Can I jump in there and just ask? You, know, you went into it with your eyes open. It was a challenging time for the group and again we're not going to deep dive in that but what I mean for you as an individual you come in with that and it's more the human aspect how did you cope you know what is it like in that environment and how would you you know because there might be other treasury professionals in a similar situation or facing that you know certainly tumultuous times in their markets the past few years but you know how would you say that you know what should they think about how should they do it well, there's a couple of aspects here. And one is that the work we did at Fannie Mae or I was involved in was was truly fascinating. And also, uh, I believe, was doing the absolute right thing in uh, helping homeowners in, in, you know, throughout the United States. And it, you know, had a, we had an environment while I was there and it was, it was to learn and to help one another and to push boundaries on you know, truly understanding the the risk aspects uh, with regard to, you know, financials that, you know, the company had. But the question is, how do people, you know, cope when there's, you know, when you have bad press or, you know, situations are, you know, kind of looking grim for the for the industry as a whole? It's to me, it's it's uh, be aware of what's happening around you and why it's happening and at the same time, when you see things, it's great to speak up and because people will listen, your management teams will listen and, you know, make changes. And this goes for, you know, the health and welfare of individual employees to um, things that people are seeing on the ground that, you know, they should be encouraged at all times to, you know, speak up if they run across things that, things that may not seem right and or could be you know, problematic in the future. And it's better to have 
uh, those discussions uh, up front before it's something, you know, after out of one's control. Yeah. As I said, you, you went through that tough period, but then you then, it was interesting, the Department of Treasury. What was that like? And, you know, a bit of, bit of a shift. It certainly was. I really was interested in in making a difference for housing finance reform. And I was doing that at Fannie Mae to a limited degree. And then I learned all about the wonderful things that were going on at the uh, Treasury. Um, This was back in uh, 2012. And I joined uh, the Treasury's Capital Markets Group. And the team there was all about working on you know, what's happening in the capital markets that uh, traditional treasury doesn't necessarily look at. And it was uh, make a difference for policy as well as, you know, really dive into, you know, merging uh, items. And, you know, so for the most part there, I was very much involved in the housing finance reform, learning all about it and trying to make a difference there. And then also while I was there, it turned out that there was a, a, a need to really focus in on risk managing or understanding the, the student loan portfolio that the Department of Education manages, but it's funded by Treasury. So uh, it was very interesting to uh, be very, very much a part of, you know, certain efforts that went on that, you know, truly made a difference for, you know, student borrowers. What was it like, you know, you'd gone from that, you know, some exceptionally corporate environments, you know, so very much public companies and everything else. And then you're in that, and you and I talked about this. So, you know, you know, I'm looking back at my notes and things and thinking how different that was. Did you find it a different way of being or acting within the job itself? Because you were sort of giving back to the, you know, the student loan portfolio and sorting those things out and stuff like that. How did it feel differently for you as a treasury professional, would you say? I learned quickly, and this is something that is not uh, spoken about too much, but there's a, there's a fundamental difference between a private industry or you know, whether or not it's public or private company, but industry versus the government. And really what that difference is, in a nutshell, is that in an industry Basically, the you know corporate management can do anything they want as far as investments, as well as uh, you know building out their you know company and in, in the ways and into the market, unless there's a law against it. Mm. The difference at the when you're in the government is that you can do anything you want as long as there's a law or regulation permitting and funding that activity so it's it's a fundamental difference cuz you know many people will, would come to the treasury you know out from the outside and say oh the treasury should do xyz you know sponsor this program and that and it may be a great idea but if we don't have the authority to do so then it's it doesn't you know quite happen or it happens in a delayed fashion because until the funding you know gets uh, appropriated. So to me, that was, you know, in key learning while I was there, it made it uh, difficult, you know, coming from the corporate environment to move things quickly. However, the the key for working with the government was, was really understanding the perspective that, you know, the government was approaching problems. When I was at Fannie Mae, we approached it in a very logical, financial-minded uh, way, and say, oh, we could do this, but it doesn't make sense because of all the money would be lost. And you go to the Treasury Department on the exact you know, same issue. And uh, the, the differing view was, was, well, it may be uneconomical today, 
But the last thing we want to do is have the government, for example, you know, bail out, you know, homeowners again, et cetera, and or bail out the corporations, you know, when when things go um, south. And so it's a, a very different approach and and a focus um, more focused on the, the very long term and the systemic risks uh, versus, you know, most corporations are focused on you know, the risks that they see, you know, coming up in the near term and in the, in the, you know, next couple of years. And you move from that to renewables. So obviously, you know, one of the, I'll tell you what you explain, Terraformer or Terraform, however you say it. Yes. I was fascinated to to move back at a certain point back into, uh, I would say the, the private industry. It's a publicly traded company, Terraform Power, uh, in renewable energies uh, in the U.S. and uh, its sister company, Terraform Global, was also doing renewable uh, energies in emerging markets. It was fascinating to to be part of that. Unfortunately, the timing of that of my move there in 2015 was a bit challenging because that that was exactly the time where you know, oil prices started plummeting and the you know the economics for renewables weren't you know quite there. But what it did for me was it got me back right into, you know, the the treasury world and also, you know, into long-term foreign exchange contracts and exposing me to to many things that, you know, I I had not been exposed to, you know, in several years. I then realized that, um, you know, an opportunity came about that uh, to become the treasurer at Blackboard and Blackboard is an ed tech company. And, you know, I was uh, there for four years. And, you know, even though I was not that close to that quote unquote capital markets, being a treasurer uh, for that firm uh, was was truly, truly uh, for me, career building in, in many ways. Once again, I got involved in areas as the treasurer in item or areas or focuses that I would not necessarily have, you know, hadn't encountered before. Some examples are, you know, running the procurement, running, you know, the insurance program. And also I got involved in accounts receivable. And these are things that, you know, treasurers typically don't get involved in. But what it did for me was in addition to all the, the treasury work that one would have, it really helped me, you know, under, more fully understand the finance function. And the final thing, you know, at Blackboard, um, it was, you know, it it was a company that also had to do quarterly reporting, and um, I was the person handling all the investor relations with our debt investors. And that once again was another area that you know really helped me understand, you know, the importance of a treasurer or of finance function of truly understanding the business and being able to explain it to others as well as the future strategies. And that's something you've taken on in this, in this current role. I'm not giving you a break here because it's, you know, I want to rock it through and get the most out of you. So it's uh, you know, apologies because it's also been a while since Alan, Alan and I, we, we first spoke a number of months ago. And as I explained to my colleague, I was saying, oh, I really want to get him on the show. And I know that you've been very kind to give us your time, but I know that there's, some other great nuggets there. And what I was going to say, so you then made, made the move to Farmer Mac, which again, explain what Farmer Mac does. You know, I did my research, but you then described it to me when we first ever spoke. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And I said, well, you know, why do you do this for all the farmers? Or can they not just go to the bank and get a loan? And you were sort of explaining it very well to me as a newbie to the sector as such. You know, what is it? Who is it? 
Why is it important, would you say? PharmaMac, federally chartered, and it has a mission, a goal to provide a source of funding, a secondary market to banks and financial institutions that lend to both farmers, ranchers, and to for rural America. Now, there are, you know, very, I would say, very specific areas that we can invest in. And But what essentially we do, and this is kind of analogous to the housing, you know, GSEs like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, where they're able to, you know, buy loans or securitize loans, you know, to take the the capital, you know, needs of a bank that is providing the loans, in this case, farmers and ranchers, um, by, by us buying the loans, we're able to give them capital relief such that they are able to make more loans and more loans. And so that's, that's what um, Farmer Max out to do is to, to really, you know, help, help the, what we call the secondary market and mortgage, you know, I should say, agricultural mortgage finance, as well as in the, call it in the uh, rural infrastructure, and that would be, you know, electricity and, you know, renewables as well. And so... Sorry, Alan, why is it so needed? You know, why is there such a, a requirement for this sort of thing? And again, I touched on it, and again, I'm looking back on my notes, and I thought you gave some great explanation before. Well, essentially, you know, any financial institution that makes loans are, you know, capital constrained and, you know, sometimes liquidity constrained. And in order to, you know, be there for the farming community, for example, those, you know, banks or associations are, are really there to, to help, you know, help rural America and the farmers, you know, do what they need to do to make affordable, you know, affordable living so that they and business um, opportunities uh, with their with their farms. And in order to do that, you know, the bank has to, you know, let's put it this way, a bank made 10 loans and held those loans, then it'd be capital constrained because it doesn't have enough capital to do any more loans. And so what they do is by selling the loans that they've originated, you know, over to a company like Farmer Mac, what, the, what it would do is it would provide the ability or capital relief for them to make, you know, so many more additional loans. So in a way, it, it really uh, expands the ability for, you know, the, the institutions making the originating loans to make more loans. So that's your role now. And, you know, you're doing it very successfully and everything else. You know, where do you see Treasury developing? I know that, you know, when I originally connected with yourself, it's because I know that you'd done some speaking at some of the conferences and, you know, virtually and, you know, in one day we'll get back to the real world. We know this. But before then, you know, what, what are your sort of, do you see the areas that Treasury should be thinking about now and the future and post as we can move slowly, you know, stumbling out of the pandemic and everything else? The right what do you think is important? Where do you, where do you think, we, you know, be focusing efforts for Treasury and things? The, the term Treasury is kind of interesting, uh, particularly what I've seen over time is everyone defines, you know, the, the Treasury a little bit differently. And um, I, I like to look at it, you know, in, in its most broadest sense. And that is professionals that are in the treasure in a treasury type organization. You know, for me, what what's important is to continue to to move forward, move forward in uh, many, many aspects. And you know, there's there's of course the challenges of working you know, moving away from spreadsheets and onto, you know, systems that you, know, you can have, 
you know, really good controls and it takes away the manual aspects, you know, out of the work that so many people in the treasury departments are, are involved with. And it's, it allows them, you know, individuals to really, you know, do more as opposed to uh, just spending their time, you know, ticking and tying numbers, which unfortunately, you know, when you're moving cash, it's very, very important. But having uh, technology, you know, as a partner, it really can make a, make one's uh, life not only easier, but, you know, it, it enables one to spend a lot more time focusing on, you know, what are the risks and uh, potential new things that are, are coming down the pike. And so when I think of treasury, it's, it's not just, you know, IT, you know, improvements and enhancements. It's really, from my perspective, it is imperative that folks in treasury should know the business that they are in. It's very easy, and this goes probably for all finance um, positions, how important it is to truly understand you know, what is the business and what do we need to be prepared for? Because if the business does something different or unusual, you know, you want to be in the treasury area, in particular, ahead of the game. So you're prepared for what's what's coming. How do you encourage that in your team? You know, you guys are very busy in treasury as always and you know, lots of stuff going on. But how do you then sort of, I was talking to a couple of clients recently and they said, you know, that they... They are focusing on that bit of bigger picture and they're trying to get some of their team, but some of the some of them are getting it right and they're getting out to the business alongside their day job. But you know, trying to handhold their team and say, look, you really need to understand the business to help the business. You know, how do you think, you know, certainly how do you do it? Or how do you think any other treasurer also needs to, you know, focus on the business and and, and helping, you know, the different different people out there? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And and my role as as treasurer at is one in which I, I do, I am involved in, you know, many of the strategies that, you know, the business is undertaking or planning to undertake. And it's my role to make sure it gets disseminated in, in an appropriate manner to my team members so that, you know, they are aware of what's happening. But it doesn't always come, you know, top down. A lot of times, you know, because the treasury team members, at least on my team, you know, are also working side by side with, uh, remotely, of course, with many of the members of other teams within the company, not just finance, they are learning about things too. And it's this dialogue and this openness where if something new is happening, it's not necessarily only impacting their area, it may be impacting others. So I, I encourage my teams to, you know, bring it up to, to talk about it so that it because of what, what may be impacting one area of treasury may also be a you know, big impact on another area that or finance that we're not aware of. So it, it's having that engagement with one's team to, to make sure on a regular basis to make sure that, you know, they're aware of the things I'm seeing, but at the same time, the rest of the team is aware of what others are seeing. And before we get to the end of the show, and we'll come back to, we'll talk later, you know, get to the top tips. But just before that, and just as a sort of semi-springboard from what you've just said there, it's incumbent upon them to sort of reach out to different businesses and, and, and try and help them with the different challenges they face. What are the challenges you that are on your mind? You know, what's keeping you awake at night? What are you thinking Guys, we need to be thinking about this for the future. Again, this is sort of advice for those listeners today. Sometimes on the podcast, you know, we 
talk about junior guys and what they should be thinking about, but maybe round table type fashion with other treasurers, what would you say is key, you know, that people need to think about? Again, Alan and I spoke before the show, that one of my clients, we talked about cyber warfare. That's a big thing for him and his business. But what is, uh, you know, making, what are you focusing your attention on that you think maybe other people should also be thinking about, would you say? The things we should be focused on is not solely impacting treasury. And, you know, obviously, you know, the diligence everyone has to have with respect to, you know, cyber warfare is, you know, is imperative for, you know, entire, entire corporation. However, there are, are aspects that, you know, are more impactful to the treasury side than, you know, other topics. And the big one, of course, is, you know, a transition away from LIBOR and how that impacts the entire business. And, and that's been something that has been a true focus. And, and the, the point about that is it's it's an example of something that's emerging when it was emerging, you know, a couple of years ago of how to transition away. It's it's uh, best to to start, you know, understanding that really early as opposed to trying to jump in today when you know we're we're way down the path of uh, the whole LIBOR transition. And I just use that as you know a simple example that it's. The earlier that one gets involved in, you know, different aspects of preparedness for the future, it's the, to me, it's the, the best, the best way. It's, it's like folks who, uh, if you hear about, you know, things like, you know, cryptocurrencies, there's a lot there to, to really learn and dissect and, and understand and the implications and whether or not it has any, any relevance to one's, you know, specific job. But just being knowledgeable of what's, you know, what's happening, you know, around the world uh, with respect to, you know, new ways of uh, transactions. I think it's it's key to, you know, truly understand that as well. And as I said before, we're approaching the end of today's show. We'll put Alan's details and his LinkedIn details in the show notes so that people, you know, if it's right to have them in your network, you can connect with them. If not, then don't, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's LinkedIn. So it's a free for all for everyone out there. But you know, joking aside, if if there were people out there and they were looking at your background and they look through and say, oh, actually, that's something I want to do, sort of follow a similar path. What advice would you give to people today listening to the show or and or, you know, what other bits of advice would you give to treasury professionals out there? We've gone through, you know, all the challenges we've had over the past few years, which is top of mind. But what else would you what what? What the closing pieces of advice would you give to everyone, Alan? Over to you. To me, what really is important for everyone is networking and mentoring. Mentoring folks, you know, if you're in the treasury field today, you know, mentoring, you know, the junior treasury team members or people who are not necessarily, you know, in your organization, but establishing the contacts, contacts, uh, you know, through networking and maintaining those contacts, you know, over the course of one's career, you know, is, is, is truly, truly important, you know, from, from my, from my perspective. And there, there's, everyone has a different path of how they arrived at treasury. And in, and it's kind of what, to me, what shapes it, one's career in treasury is not necessarily what you did in the past, but what you learned from your past experience and how you're bringing that, you know, to your present job. And 
you know, I've I've you know been able in many 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 occasions to draw upon my experiences, you know, in different you know work situations outside of Farmer Mac that you know has helped me you know think about different different ways to to really make a difference and you know, come up with creative innovative solutions to you know what would have otherwise have uh, been a, a very challenging you know problem to solve. And you mentioned there about networking as well. That's obviously a key thing and. It's challenging to do in you know today's time, but you do that very effectively. I've seen you, as I said, I've seen you at different conferences and things. Why do you think that is so important in the treasury, you know, field, you know, in all spheres? But why particularly, you know, in treasury terms, would you say? I think there's two two key aspects here. Is that it's it, it's really helpful through networking to to understand what else is going on in your field. And I, and I don't specifically mean about what jobs are available. Rather, it's more of, you know, what are you working on and, and what someone else is working on, being inquisitive about, you know, the things that, you know, folks are, are uh, focused on at, at, at various points, you know, in one's career. And, you know, so, so to me, it's very helpful. And also, um, you know, through your, you know, through your networks, when you run into a challenging issue or one that you need need to uh, you know talk with people in other uh, at other firms or even other industries just to you know try to understand best practices you know it's it's great to be able to reach out to that you know network established network that you have to to get you know some advice and uh, from people that you you know and trust it's a lot easier you know to to get get those conversations going with folks that you know you've established you know, a long-term relationship with than, you know, the many cold calls that people would get. And it's also the same, you know, oftentimes, you know, you only hear from someone when they're looking for, for a job, you know, that's, that's okay. But at the same time, it's, it, you know, building that longer-term relationship is key. And one thing you mentioned about, you know, it's challenging to do all this in a virtual environment. Um, I, I would argue that, that it is also the virtual environment has facilitated you know a lot of networking. It's a lot easier to to arrange you know time to meet with someone for you know a video chat for thirty minutes versus you know the traditional way of uh, trying to you know find the time to meet and travel to meet for coffee or something like that. Um, I do not mean to minimize the importance of face-to-face interactions. Those are, those are key in and in among themselves. However, you know, there are, you know, lots of ways to, to really connect and stay connected with people, you know, in today's environment. Yeah. Just looking back, draw upon your past experiences by, as you say, taking a step back and looking at things and considering it and things we've got the networking, we've got the mentoring. And I think actually, not dissimilarly there, and um, you mentioned about the having that strength of network and building up through virtual. Similar with, you know, I say this sometimes when I do LinkedIn sessions, that if you've only got four or five people in your LinkedIn network, you can't really turn to people and get their advice. Whereas, as you say, if you've got that massive bench, you can go, oh, actually, I'll call Bob or I'll call Jane about this, and they can give me maybe a bit of input from their side. So brilliant advice, sir. Brilliant. So uh, amazing. Thank you for your, your great the words there and well as i say we'll put your linkedin details in the show notes so you can connect if it's appropriate or whatever it's been long overdue and thank you for your time alan i can't wait to see you virtually or really uh one stage soon 
Well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate being participant on your podcast. It's, um, you know, truly an honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.